ladies and gents, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome back for part two of Free Agency, where we'll be looking to discuss running backs and tight ends on this episode. Before we start, just want to give a shout out to Regular Gonzalez for the song Chains, which is the intro music on our podcast. And of course, to Natasha, still newlywed wife of Chiggs, our co-host. Thanks, Natasha, for being a gracious supporter and allowing Chiggs to follow his passion project that we're doing here. So with me, I have Chiggs. Yo. I have Mo. Hey, how's it going? And we do not have Paul this time, but we have an upgrade. We have Buck, or Brian Buckingham, I should say, from the DC Presidents all the way from Durham. How are you doing, Brian? Howdy doody, gentlemen. How are we? Very well. Thank you for joining us, Buck. Would you like to uh, give our uh, give our audience a bit of a background on the DC Presidents and where you're based, how people can find you? Absolutely. So as Amir said, I'm from the Durham County Presidents and we are based in Chesley Street in County Durham. Um, bit of background, we are the oldest North, the oldest American football club in the northeast of England. And if you do want to check us out, you can find us on Twitter at DCPAFC or even on Facebook over at just DC Presidents. Excellent. Thanks for that, Buck. And thanks again for joining. So, as I said, in part two of Free Agency, which is episode three, we're looking to discuss running backs and tight ends. I mean, as we were saying on the last episode, Free Agency has been wild. It's been some incredible moves, a lot of talking points. And we're just sort of going to carry on from where we left off and start with running backs. So, first one I'd like to touch on then, which, uh, you know, been a monster of a fantasy player for so many people for years, is Todd Gurley. As we saw, he was released by the Rams, didn't stay on free agency for very long, and he's gone to the Falcons to effectively replace Devonta Freeman. So, Chiggs, what are your views on Gurley going to the Falcons? Um massive massive move um in terms of you know as a name as a player you know this guy was uh the fantasy mvp uh a couple of seasons ago you know carried uh, well, three seasons ago carried a lot of people to uh their championships um he's never going to be on my christmas card list <laughs> literally knocked me out of four playoffs in the semis so I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive him for that. He's, you know what? Sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and just go, you know, this was unbelievable. I actually, um, I went 13 and one in a, one of my leagues in the regular season, you know, just completely crushed it. And I basically got Todd Gurley in the, in the, in the championship game. You know what? It just happens sometimes. Um, but obviously got a big contract with the Rams. Never quite looked the same again after, you know, after his uh, knee injury. Um, obviously, a lot of uh, talk about is he fit? Is he not? You know, after, after the Super Bowl, they didn't really use him um, when they uh, when they lost the Patriots last season. wasn't a great year. You know, I think fantasy wise, he was still probably an RB one, maybe an RB two, but it wasn't the Todd Gurley of old. Um, it think, was very you know, touchdown dependent, wasn't it? Yeah. Last year, he still had a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, so I think you know, I think. From the Rams' perspective, they sort of had to get out of that contract. It's a good pickup by the Falcons. Um, you know, if he if he's healthy, he's you know, you've seen what he can do. It's again the question of the health. 
They need to replace Devonta Freeman. Maybe they pick someone else up in the draft as well to sort of supplement it. But he you know, returns to his sort of. He played college football at Georgia as well, so he, kind of returning back to his sort of hometown. Yeah, it's a good move. And uh, pe- people looking back with nostalgia, uh, certainly Falcons fans would be thinking they've now got Ryan, who's been an MVP quarterback for fantasy. You've got Julio Jones, who's been an MVP receiver in fantasy, and now Todd Gurley. So uh, let's see if those three can ignite some magic. And of course, you've got likes of Calvin Ridley as well, super hey, talented young receiver. And, uh, we'll, we'll come on to him in a bit as well, but uh, Hayden Hurst. Well, yeah, that was a, another uh, in- interesting free agency move. So what do we think for Devonta Freeman then? Where where do you think he's going to land? Because it doesn't seem like there's been much interest so far. He's had you know, a few injury issues over the last couple of years. So who realistically is going to take a chance on somebody like a Freeman, do we think? Mo? Go on, Buffalo. How about a Buffalo? It's not a bad shout, but they've... I, think, I think I think Gore's out. Um, you got Singletary. I think you still need a stud running back back there. I think, um, yeah, I would say uh, I'm going to lean towards Buffalo. Uh, there's not that many teams out there. I mean, you got you also got a rookie class coming in. Um, I don't I don't believe Buffalo's going to draft running back because they did one last year. They got a great one there too. So um, yeah, I'm going I'm going to go with Buffalo at the moment. I don't know any other thoughts from you guys. Well, he's, I think someone like Devonta Freeman, he's now, what, 28 years old? He's definitely on on the way out in regards to his running back's career. He has had some quite injury concerns. He's been pushed out of Atlanta. Would you Would you realistically pick him up? I think as a veteran running back, you would. Um, he's not going to be um, He's not going to be your main starter. Ideally, you have someone else back there as well to complement him. He's, he's, I doubt he's going to be the bell cow, and I don't think he ever was with Coleman back there with Atlanta. So, I mean, I, I would personally. I mean, I think I think he's still got a lot of gas in him. I mean, he's also, I believe there are one or two seasons, like you said, he, he has had injury concerns, but he missed all of, what, the season before. So I think uh-huh. he's well-rested. I think he's, he's he's got some gas in the tank. But how, how much do you think he would command? Um, I, really? I, I I don't think much at all. I think the running back market itself. I mean, you see, you saw what Gurley uh, signed for. However, I mean, Gurley did have that uh, the check that uh, the Rams still owed him. Um, so... <laughs> seven, seven and a half million, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think the running back uh, market in general. I mean, what did Melvin Gordon end up getting for the Broncos there? Eight, eight a season. Eight a season. Eight, eight yeah, he, he's done well. His agents done well for him there. Well, it's funny, right? If you look at like when Le'Veon Bell was trying to reset the running back market. And I think, you know, with Gurley being cut, Freeman being cut, um, David Johnson getting traded, you know, all these, these guys are all RB, finishes the RB1 in, you know, their respective seasons. Um, obviously, then end up signing big contracts. Um, and, you know, it, it looks very hard to replicate that level of production, you know, once they sign that sort of, big money contract it kind of doesn't really fare well for the team so it'll be interesting to see what happens when say Christian McCaffrey's deal comes up for renewal and you know I think Zeke's probably the only one that's signed a big money deal in recent times that's kind of then delivered 
I think um I think CMC is a little of a wild card though. He's he's more of a receiver than a running back at times as well. So I think he's gonna he's I think he deserves it and will demand quite a bit. He's gonna he's the one that's gonna reset the running back market. However, you're kind of looking at this little hybrid of a running back. Wouldn't you have said that about Le'Veon Bell though as well to a certain degree? I, I, I would have it, but he sat out a year. I think he he did re, he would have reset the running back market except he ended up sitting out for the year. I mean, I'm and I'm quite sure the Steelers offered him. Uh, probably the highest as the highest paid running back, but he still wanted that. He wanted to go a little higher because he wanted to claim he was a running back slash wide receiver. Well, the Steelers kind of did him dirty by giving him very low guarantees. It was sort of only one season or less than a season of guarantees, I think, and that's where he felt quite offended and said, "Look, I'm not gonna do this." But it just shows also the value of a great offensive line that mm-hmm. Pittsburgh had, and it suited. Bell sort of patient wait and see style uh, of running but he didn't have anywhere near that quality of line at the Jets so yeah with the year out he probably regressed in talent a bit and had rustiness but the the line for a running back makes a huge difference also you forget the uh, the Adam Gase effect in, uh, in New York <laughs> yeah yeah I think we touched on that in episode one and two I think uh, right. Okay. So we did mention the name. Um, got two Broncos fans here. So Buck, I'll hand over to you. What are your thoughts on Gordon? What are your thoughts on the money that they've given? And then for fantasy, how do you feel about Gordon being in the three-person committee as it looks at the moment? Well, really, I think that the main loser, and this is we can all agree, is going to be Royce Freeman. He viable backup to Philip Lindsay, and I'm a massive Philip Lindsay mark, as I think as we all are in Denver. Lindsay plays with his heart, and I feel that Gordon could challenge him, push him out. Lindsay could move himself up into different positions in the in the formation and really expand his expand his play. $16 million across two years. I think we discussed this, Amir. Is it slightly a bit of a luxury? Is it Was it necessary? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it was. Uh, I know with the new CBA, the cap has gone up slightly, so we've got more than we might have thought. I, ju- I just felt it was a luxury that maybe we didn't need, but you know, he's uh-huh. proven himself to be a good actual running back and a good fantasy running back. So absolutely, and and we really, obviously, with with the holdouts, and I'm a guy. I, I hate holdouts. I, I find them incredibly frustrating. <laughs> Get in there do your job, earn your money. And I just think following the holdout, he just was never really himself. He did show glimpses this season that he can, you know, be back to what he was. Hopefully, when he pulls on that orange jersey, he's back to what he used to be. But in regards to fantasy, again, as a man who will absolutely be keeping hold of Philip Lindsay in keeper leagues, etc., takes away quite a bit of value from himself. But I think that he will still accrue the points and, you know, become the RB1 that you need in your fantasy team. I mean, if you look at um, Melvin Gordon in LA, San Diego, you know, you still had um, Austin Eckler produce RB, RB1, RB2 numbers with Melvin Gordon there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's obviously receiving work. Melvin Gordon's all right, but he's not really a sort of a, a pass-catching running back. No. Um, I think Philip Lindsay will still have that role in the offense. Mm-hmm. 
uh, will still have that you know that PPR value, um, that sort of that floor that he can offer. But yeah, maybe he can obviously cap some of the upside. Yeah, we've got a new offensive um, coordinator there in Pat Shermer, so he's clearly looking for uh, a, a bruiser of a running back, which you could argue neither. Freeman or Lindsay sort of offered um, and so yeah let, let's see uh, said a bit a little bit skeptical just with the sort of money paid as a Broncos fan but I think as a fantasy owner particularly in Dynasty you're probably just happy that he's got um, a move somewhere he's got oh, money, yeah. so his spirit should be up and um, you know he'll see what he can do in the next couple of years absolutely sorry in regards to fantasy which as we all know, it's what it's really all about. And in regards to fantasy, it is worrying, but it will be great to see both of them playing for the Broncos this season. But really, in regards to fantasy, it does kind of knock back my hopes for Lindsay this season. Yeah. Okay, so I know we touched on one side of quote-unquote the world's worst trade ever. So <laughs> here we get, here we what, get to what, David what Johnson. What we'll be talking was... about here? Well, so we were referencing uh, DeAndre Hopkins' trade as being maybe the worst we've ever seen in episode two. So the the other part of that was, of course, David Johnson as well as the picks involved. So I'm going to ask Chiggs because Chiggs, I know you're an owner of DJ. So how how do you feel about him being in Houston? Um, I'd say from a fantasy perspective, this was music to my ears. I've got... Um, so the start of last year we did. I took DeAndre Hopkins in the first round. I took David Johnson in the second. Um, started the season off in the Arizona offense looking great, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, I think he was a top top eight, top seven running back for the first half of the season in PPR. Um, you know, in that sort of air raid offense exciting and then he got injured and I don't know what happened he kind of fell out with um fell out with the coaching staff over there in Arizona and they obviously brought Kenyon Drake in and he his fantasy value plummeted um you know I was fielding calls from um, other managers in the league offering me third round picks for David Johnson you know um and I think we talked about this, you know, like players that you hold just because your values. Not you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to sell him for what you what you want. You know, if I got a first for David Johnson, I'd have sold him. I'm not gonna sell him for anything, you know, in in the region of a third. I think moving to the Texans is a great move for him. Um, you know, if you look at Carlos Hyde, he put up decent numbers there last season. Uh, Lamar Miller's done well there in the past as well. Um, you know, so hopefully. You know, you can, I don't think he's going to be necessarily an RB1, but if he can give you an RB2 season, I think you'll be pretty happy with that if you held if you held on to him in the off you know in the off season. Yeah, and let's not forget the Texans did trade big to get Laramie Tunsil on the O line, and you know Johnson running behind Tunsil if he can stay fit could be a lot of um, opportunity. Plus, he's a more than competent pass catcher, maybe one of the best we've seen in recent years. So certainly gives you that dual threat running back that uh, a lot of teams are craving nowadays. Uh, I suppose they're related to David Johnson, and one of the reasons he was shipped out 
was when the Cardinals traded for next person on the list, which is uh, Kenyon Drake. He came in uh, from Miami and sort of hit the ground running and never looked back. So you know he's got decent monies on the transition tag. I think that equates to about eight million for the season, um, unless anybody offers him more. But no, he's done well for himself. And in my personal views, I if I'm a Drake owner, I'm delighted that he's staying in a scheme that he excelled in. Don't really see any drawbacks. Maybe just how he does being the lead for the whole season and whether he's got the durability. But Mo, do you have any any views on Drake at, at Arizona? Oh, no, honestly, uh, I kind of agree with you there. Uh, they're, they, they knew beforehand, before the season's going to start, that they wanted him. I mean, the numbers, the crazy numbers he put up at the end of the last season, I mean, I don't think anyone except, ex- expected that. Um, but, yeah, no, um, I think he's a good fit. They know what they have, and uh, they were going to keep him, and, and I think they're hoping to probably sign a long-term contract with him, which I, pre- I presume is in the works at the moment. But, no, good, uh, good fit there, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think there's much disputing that one. Uh, nor the next one, really, um, which just, is Derek just Henry. The point of, sorry, on yeah. um, Kenyon Drake. I think, you know, I've been a big fan of Drake when he was in Miami, where he sort of, he actually knocked me out of a couple of championship games as well. Um, you know, so he's obviously flashed there. Um, got Adam Gaste again. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a common theme. They're destroying, they're destroying the fantasy value of people. Um, but if you actually look at Arizona, and obviously I touched on it there, David Johnson, you know, before he got injured, and he was putting up RB1 numbers there. Um, Chase Edmonds, when um, when he filled in, put up RB1, you know, some ridiculous weeks as well. And then Kenyon Drake coming in and putting up crazy numbers as well. I think you want a piece of that Arizona backfield. You know, it seems to be producing um, fantasy gold. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Kenyon Drake going in the second round of um, of drafts next next season. I think with the double coverage that Nuke's going to get in Arizona, it's just going to open up a lot more opportunity, you'd think, for other players, um, even, as you say, like pass-catching running backs like Drake or Edmonds. So uh, I think if you're a fantasy owner of those players, you're certainly excited by nuke if you own him but just generally if you own other players around in the cardinals offense you, you're quite excited about the addition of nuke and the lanes and coverage uh, that it's going to open up for others potentially a big season in arizona i think they could really make some big noise how's their defense though looking though that's still kind of shaky yeah they're probably gonna have to address that in the draft aren't they really yeah. Although they've given up their second rounder, so you'd imagine they're going defense in the first round. But what is it? Pick eight, I think they are. Pick eight, pick nine, something like that. Yeah. So they've yeah. got a relatively early pick. Considering you'd expect probably three quarterbacks to go in the first five or six picks anyway. Rest of the teams around there will get quite a good um, selection of who's left. So then... We mentioned Drake being transition tag. Next one was Derek Henry, who was franchise tag. So he'll get top five or the average of top five money. Um, talk about a player who's just made for a scheme. Uh, the whole offense seems to be built around the run game. And 
kind of we saw that kind of helped Tannenhill when he came in last year. I think from the time Tannenhill played until the end of the fantasy playoffs, he was a top five QB. So, you know, while they did focus heavily on the run and Derrick Henry's going to get 30-odd carries in the game, it did also allow the likes of A.J. Brown to excel, Ryan Tannehill to excel. We saw likes of Jonu Smith having some notable games as well. So I think it was another no-brainer that he would stay. The question for me was always whether they're going to sign him up to a long-term deal and maybe fall under the trap like some of these other teams with running backs have or doing what they've done, which is franchise tag. So it's a it's an interesting move. But what are your thoughts, Chiggs, on Derrick Henry? So Derrick Henry's kind of a, a player that just I find hard to sort of place because his, his numbers obviously stack up. You know, he was the, the rushing leader um, NFL last year, but... I still think he only finished as the RB7, um, if I'm not mistaken. And the trouble is, if you're playing in a PPR league, he doesn't offer that pass-catching ability. So he is very much basing on his yardage and his touchdowns. Yeah, it's a good point. Derek Henry also loves a fumble. They're very <laughs> frustrating this year. What did he, I think he made... Five, five fumbles, lose five fumbles this year. And that's not what you want. <laughs> no, true. And well, um, I mean, but, he, but he, you know, he he has put up big numbers. You know, he's still, you know, very fantasy relevant. Oh, massively. Top tier, top tier running back. You know, you will be taking him early on. Personally, someone that I think will get drafted ahead of where I would take him. So I'm probably not going to get any shares of him in the any any leagues to start up in. Um, we talked about it, right? Are you going to pay running back that kind of big money based on, you know, what we've seen with um, Gurley, David Johnson, Devonta Freeman? But talk about a team that could be a candidate to draft one of these running backs. I think Tennessee are right up there. They've released... Dion Lewis, um, so he's gone. In fact, he's just signed with the Giants, so he'll be there to back up Barkley. Sort of happened a little while ago, but Tennessee could be a prime candidate to target one of these running backs. I don't know if they'll use their first on one, but it wouldn't surprise me if they use their second rounder uh, on someone like a, um, uh, one of the running backs coming out of college this year. I mean, I would love to see someone like Clyde Edwards-Helaire end up there, you know, maybe with a third rounder. You know, that pass-catching ability out the backfield would be a really nice compliment to Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, rather than maybe like a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins or someone. Yeah, it'd be a good situational fit to give them that additional sort of variety on their offense. Yeah, I mean, I think they've set their stall out. You, you know what you're getting. Derrick Henry's their main guy. You kind of want that sort of change of pace guy that can maybe then grow into absorbing a bit of a bigger workload in case they don't end up re-signing Henry. I think your J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylors, DeAndre Swifts are going to be in too high, too much sort of draft capital for them to sort of, unless they're really going to, you know, make a sort of statement there and go with two guys with the view that phasing Garrett Henry out, but... Yeah, I don't see one of the, the top, top-tier guys landing there. Yeah. Um, 
as I said, complete sensible move, I think, by the Titans to franchise him. Okay, it's a lot of guaranteed money this season, but it gives them a lot more flexibility now as well with the draft and with next offseason. So I quite like that move if I'm a Titans fan. Um, and obviously so- with Secure and Tannehill as well, I think that they're really... The, you could see the chemistry. They work well. They work really well together. So I do think that obviously... Maybe it was a bit of a, but I think they'll they will have a good season. I think you're right. Yeah. So next one they wanted to discuss was Jordan Howard. He's gone to Miami. I think Miami had maybe one of the worst uh, rushing attacks we've ever seen <laughs> last year when they had uh, Kalen Ballard and Patrick Laird. And I think the janitor got a run out as well. The, uh, <laughs> the canteen lady was signed up, but she got injured. So they just had an awful, <laughs> awful uh, group of running backs. So, Mo, I know you were invested on Jordan Howard and oh. might have even helped you win the ship, actually, um, in my league. So how do you feel um, about Howard to the Dolphins? He, and for, he did not help me win it because he was uh, on a good old IR for the last eight games or so. Oh, but, uh, yeah, he was... Um, I thought that was a terrible trade I made there earlier. I believe I traded... I traded... Uh, Ronald Jones and Henderson for Jordan Howard and I believe a third round a fourth round pick or something. Um, and that's that's when Jordan Howard was heating up and I was like I, I like this matchup to the end of the season. However, he never got to get on the field. But I love this trade. Um, uh, I mean I I, I, love, I love I love this signing. I'm sorry about that. Um, they I think Miami getting it like you said they had no running back and I think they got one. Um, I don't think. Balage is the answer. They had Laird and Gaskins, which I believe they were both drafted last year. Um, but yeah, I, I think Jordan Howard is going to be the bell cow there, honestly. And he, he, you know, he can he can do it. Um, he's done it in Chicago. He would have done it in uh, in uh, Eagles, but their offense is that I think they've always had a had running running back by committee type of offense there. But I think I think he's the, I think he's going to be the bell cow this year in Miami. Well, I think it gives them flexibility in the draft as well, right? So, you know, they can take a quarterback early and sort of build on the offensive line and stuff. And now they don't, they haven't got that sort of pressing need to go out and draft a running back. You know, if one falls to them, that makes yeah. sense. They can pick them up. But it's, yeah, it's a great move. I think Dolphins in general have made a great offseason moves. I mean, yeah. they, I think they've shored up their defense. Uh, they, yeah, I think they've done an amazing job. They're, uh, they're an interesting team. Yeah. If it's magic back there behind center, anything yeah, can they, happen. Their defense is, you know, I think they've probably got the best cornerback pairing in the league. Yep. Um, yeah. So but they got Byron Jones, right, in free agency. Yeah. So. You have to go with uh, Xavier Howard. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, the, the Dolphins, you know, should be, they, they showed last season as well, sort of back end of last season, they showed, you know, a bit of potential. You know, Mike Gasicki sort of came on um, tight end. Didn't they beat the Patriots? Yeah. Yep. yeah, that's what um, put the Patriots out of home field advantage um, going into the playoffs. That's right. Yeah, no, they ended the season very, very well. Devontae Parker came on. Preston Williams had a good season before the injury. So I, I've got to say, I've got to give credit just from outside looking in at what Brian Flores has done there. Plus, they've got the three firsts, I think, this season. So they've got draft capital to play with. Miami just seemed like a prime target to draft an early running back and really go after one of the stud RBs and sort of have Howard there as the experienced head. But it would not surprise me if second half of the season, Howard's 
being traded to someone who's lost their running back through injury and just need a veteran. But it would not surprise me if somebody like uh, DeAndre Swift ends up at Miami because they've given themselves a lot of flexibility. And even after all the free agent moves, they still have quite a lot of cap space. So wouldn't surprise me if um, yeah, that's using a pick. I think that's my one concern with Howard. I, I, I do agree that they're probably going to draft running back. Um, and then they, probably another wide receiver as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Miami just, just in a great spot to make some, uh, you know, make some noise this year in the season. So we'll see. I'm intrigued. I mean, you know, at, at this point with Tom Brady out of, uh, I know, out, out from the Patriots, you figure Bill's own division. But Miami, Miami's the little, my little dark horse there. Yeah, and, and until I see the Patriots dynasty crumble, I refuse to believe it. So I've been been burned too many times by the Patriots. It's Adam Gay's time. <laughs> yeah, he's a dark horse. He's been hiding all these years, and now it's time to step up. <laughs> okay, so then one other uh, player I wanted to talk about was Kareem Hunt. Looks like he's staying with the Browns. I don't think I own Hunt in any leagues myself, but if you were a Hunt owner, hypothetically, how are you feeling about him staying with the Browns, Buck? Well, I am a Kareem Hunt owner. <laughs> <laughs> so I think when he finally returned from suspension last year, I definitely think he played a big part in that running game in Cleveland. And I definitely think that he will receive more snaps this year. And I definitely think he'll be putting, definitely be putting more yards on the board. as the, you know He's a talented individual, obviously. He's had his issues... But now I think that getting back in full season, I think you'll have a really good season. It's hard to really assess the Browns for me because they've gone and got the um, Kevin Stefanski, who's clearly a um, run-first coach. They've traded for Andy Janovich from the Broncos. So you'd think they're going to try and re-image their offense into a power-run-style offense. But then you've still got and I know we'll touch on it, but you've got Austin Hooper, who's a very competent pass catcher. You've got OBJ, who's an elite receiver. Jarvis Landry, very, very good slot receiver, one of the best in the league. Then you've still got the likes of David Njoku. You've got Nick Chubb, who can catch well. Uh, Kareem Hunt, who can catch well. So if I was a fantasy owner of one of these Browns players, I'd be hating it, uh, especially with the move to get Hooper. It just... I think it just muddies the water so much. As a Browns fan, I'm loving it because of the flexibility they have and the inability to sort of double team on one player. But that would be my concern as a Kareem Hunt owner. A, the move to get Janovich and potentially going to sort of more of a power run scheme. But then also Austin Hooper, which I know we'll touch on. And just just how many, how much competition there is for those catches from Baker. Absolutely. And I think that obviously relying heavy, heavily on Chubb earlier in the season, you know, he put some major points on the board. And obviously, I, <laughs> I have Chubb and Kareem Hunt. <laughs> so if I can fit them in elsewhere, both of them, I think we're good. But I, I think you're right. There are a lot of options out there and they will struggle to sort of spread the wealth almost. But I do think that Kareem Hunt will put some serious points on the board this season. Call it intuition. Women's intuition, whatever you wish. <laughs> I think. I think with that, I think the Browns. You know, obviously, with that level of talent they've got, and if Baker can sort of 
rebound, you know, from last season and Stefanski kind of gets them going. It's you think that on any given week there'll be Browns players that we, you know, scoring well, but it's just going to be hard to say on a week by week basis which player that's going to be. Mm-hmm. I think that uncertainty about the Browns, you know, is going to be um, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the last running back then to touch on uh, was Austin Eckler. He's re-signed with the Chargers, I think four-year, relatively team-friendly contract. So you'd think he'd be there for most, if not all, of the four years. But for me, it's a player who's just perfectly matched to the scheme. I know they've lost Philip Rivers, which uh, him and Eckler had a great chemistry last year. Uh, but if you're a fantasy owner... My view is that you're delighted that he's staying there and not testing the waters and going elsewhere. But, uh, Chiggs, what, what, what do you think about Eckler staying on in L.A.? Oh, yeah, I think you covered it spot on. You know, he's um, finished as an RB1 last year. Um, you know, every season he's he's demonstrated that sort of PPR ability. He's got a lovely floor. Um, he showed what he can do when he actually had a bit more sort of volume in the offense as well. Um, obviously, depending on where they go with quarterback, obviously, do they draft someone? See, we talked a little bit about it. Potentially, Cam maybe being looked at. See, looking like they're going to start the season with Tyra Taylor. But I think you know, if they don't go and pick anyone else up, Boston Eckler is going to have great fantasy value once again. Yeah, and just thinking, if they do draft Herbert, and let's say he comes in. He may not play much this season, but just generally, young rookie quarterbacks do get nervous. And having that elite pass catching back to just throw on the slant or the screen, perfect for someone like a, a Herbert if they do if they do draft quarterback. Okay, so I think we've covered the uh, main RB moves. Um, we'll talk about tight ends next, uh, which. Again, uh, some big moves in the market. Uh, first one I wanted to touch on was Greg Olson. Now, Mo, I know as a Panthers fan, probably a player that's close to your heart, but it's gone to the Seahawks, a team that does notoriously with Russell Wilson use the tight end. So how, how are you feeling if you're an Olsen owner at the moment? Oh, good for him. I think if he was going to go anywhere, he was going to go to a team that would give him a chance to win a championship. And I think Seahawks is a great fit for him. He's um, he's it's going to be interesting what they do because they you know they still have um, Disley coming back from an you know injury, and you also have Hollister. So I'm kind of intrigued on how they're going to use him. You know, and, and one risk you do run with Olsen is him re, you know re-injuring his foot. Um, I believe he still does have screws in his foot. So anytime that you know, it, but it, granted, if, I think time has passed now, it should have healed. He, if I'm not mistaken, he had a similar surgery as um, Watkins, and Watkins has been, you know, he's been great the last couple of years. I don't, I don't think he's been that hindered by the foot, uh, per se. But I think, um, I think he'll do good. I mean, let's see, uh, let's see if, if, uh, if how, how I do. I'm, I'm intrigued on how Seattle's going to use him. I mean, you know, you got a, you got up and coming wide receiver in Metcalf. You have, you know, you saw Lockett down there. You got two solid running backs. And now you're gonna have uh, Olsen and probably Dizzy and Hollister. You're gonna have three, three, you know, three tight ends that, that you can you that they've they've proven that they can, you know, put up points when it comes to fantasy. So I'm, I'm I I personally would stay away from all three, 
um, for fantasy purposes until you know which one comes out ahead. Um, Olsen has lost a step or two, so he, I don't think he's going to have the he's not going to have the separation he did in, in days of old. However, I mean, Russell Wilson's a, I think he's an upgrade to QB compared to Cam when it comes to precision throws. So, yeah, I believe uh, I think he, I, th- I think he has he has a potential he has a chance to do well. However, for dynasty purposes, um, I, I think it's I think you're in a similar situation if you're gonna if you're gonna draft uh, uh, Witten. Uh, if you drafted him last year for you know Witten, you know you know he's he's in for a year or two, and he he put up decent numbers there, but he's I don't think he was ever consistent in every single Dallas game. And here he actually has more competition, so it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Yeah, point well made. Uh, if if you're an Olsen owner, couldn't have picked much of a better spot to go to than the Seahawks. You got a said quarterback who loves throwing to the tight end um, as well, and he's you know, one of the best we've seen in the last 10 years, arguably. So hope he does well. He's had a lot of rough luck with injury. Um, so here's a question then. And Chiggs, this might be perfect for someone like yourself. If you're a team that was either on the cusp of the playoffs or just snuck in, you know, sort of like a fifth to eighth sort of range, you think with a bit of luck, you could compete. Are you holding Olsen and thinking he could potentially take you to the ship this year or are you trying to trade him to someone who was you know top two top three either to strengthen them or give somebody who missed out on the ship thinking let me cash in and sell it to them what would you do if you're an Olsen owner in that middling range rather than the full rebuild I think if you're in that range you're probably not too far away um, from the ship you know, maybe it was just the fact that you had some injuries, some poor quarterback play. You know, you're, you've got a middle, assuming you got your picks, you've got a middle pick in the first round and the second. You'll pick up, potentially be draft well, two very, very good players that could set you over the top. I would be holding, you're not going to get the same value probably from Greg Olsen by trying to sell him now. I think you hold him, um, see how the season develops. And if you're out of contention, we think you're not going to be a contender and he's performing well, he's an ideal sell-high candidate to a team that's going for the championship. You know, like we talked a bit like Ben Roethlisberger, if he you know, starts the season well and you're not going to be in contention. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't look to sell him now. It's a fair point. I suppose if you are one of those middling teams, you have a lot of those difficult questions and assessments to make and I was in that same boat last year in one of our leagues where I did decide to start selling up and accumulating trade picks so interesting uh interesting dilemma so do you guys so both of you guys think he's going to do well this year or what what are your thoughts on that you think he's going to come out as the clear number one tight end you think uh, any of the other two are going to pop up I think Olsen over Disley or Hollister personally um Hollister for as good as he was last year, was also fairly boom-bust because I remember playing him in a few games where he had one reception for like eight yards or something and you know killed you that week. So I, d- I don't think he ever turned into that reliable tight end for Dangerous, but uh, that's, you know, that's my sort of opinion on the matter. I think um, Willie Disley's obviously flashed a lot of sort of good stuff, but injuries right he's he keeps getting injured so 
is he going to be able to stay healthy? I think the other thing is the Seahawks don't throw a lot of passes. You know, they're not a high volume offense. So you've got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Your your tight end will be catching balls, but he's probably going to be a bit more of a, a touchdown dependent, um, touchdown dependent guy. Yeah, yeah I, I can see that. I don't think he's going to get the same volume that he had under Cam. So I know I agree with you in terms of the accuracy with um, with Russell Wilson, but you know he was essentially the number two guy in the offense um, in Carolina. And yep, kind that, of that, was that's a safety blanket for Cam. So yeah, that's my hesitant hesitant hesitation on drafting um, Olsen this year. It's just I'm not sure what I'm we're gonna what you're gonna get from him. I think with him, you're gonna you're gonna pick him up. And if you're starting up a league now, you're gonna get him late, right? He's correct. So he's 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 quite a good gamble to take. Um, and I'd even go as far as saying, even in a redraft league, I wouldn't want him to be my tight end one. I'd I'd want somebody who has the perception of being more consistent or reliable just because there's a lot of unknown with Olsen so even if we don't talk outside of dynasty and redraft as a second tight end sure but I wouldn't be comfortable with him as my primary tight end okay so I know we've discussed this uh slightly earlier but next big one and I think he's now the highest paid tight end in the whole league Austin Hooper um I mean I made my views quite clear if I'm a Personally, if I'm a Hooper owner, I hate that move for him. Um, sure, you know, good for him that he's earning money. But in fantasy and in dynasty, I just think those waters are so muddy. Plus, you've got Njoku to come back, who, you know, is now in his, what, fourth year, I think. So should be in a position where he's, you know, learned the playbook and he's ready to learn the craft and ready to contribute. But maybe I'm being a bit... Harsh, I don't know. What are your views, Buck, on Austin Hooper to the Browns? Well, again, like you said, as I, as I said before, I am confident that the big points will come um, through. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the big points will come through the running game at the Browns. But you're right. Again, David and Jogu, I'm a big fan. I have kept hold of him this year because I'm confident that obviously when he does actually return, that he will obviously have a great game on him. The addition of Hooper makes it a bit more difficult. I do think we'll push him. So to go back to the previous point, when we're talking about the potential spread of wealth within the running game, I do think it is a bit of a difficult one for Hooper. Like you say, it's great for him. He's earning big money. But fantasy-wise, it is, as you said, muddy waters. Yeah. It'd be interesting to watch the Browns play because I do think that generally they've had a pretty good off-season, made some good moves on offense and defense. But If the Browns click, if the Browns click, they could be serious contenders. But obviously we showed last year that no matter what, you know, you can bring everybody in, but if the, if you don't click, then obviously it's not going to work. And they've had that a year, you know, the, those OBJ and people like bringing them in, feed them into the system. Obviously, as we mentioned before about Baker, try to recapture some of that form. If they click, it could be a big season. But I, I do feel as though it is a, not a big if, but a, quite a decent-sized if. Are you guys sold on Baker being the QB of the future for the Browns, or is the is there un, uh, the unlucky streak of QBs going to continue after after this or next season? 
I personally, I was I was sold in in a few leagues. Baker was my man. I thought, you know, he's going to build a team around him. But obviously, I was stung with that one. I'm I'm, I'm actually going to take the other way. I think Baker's yeah. going to. He's going to crash and burn. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Browns fans out there. Uh, another number one pick coming maybe a year or two. A hot I think, take. I think I'm in probably in between those two camps. I don't think I'm quite so doom and gloom or quite as sold on him. But if you look at him in his first season, he did some nice stuff, but never really put up huge numbers even then. So there was a lot of hype going into last year. And I think a lot of it driven by the fact that you got OBJ. So you're like, well, he's shown some good stuff. He was the number one overall pick. He's now got an elite um, wide receiver to throw to. And he didn't, you know, maybe it was a function of the offense last year. Maybe part of it was Baker. I think I think Savansky will help him. I think, you know, he will improve. I'm not so sure he is in that sort of, you know, top five QB picks in a, in a dynasty startup. I don't think he probably was on the cusp of it last year. I, I, I personally don't think now he's a, he's a top five startup pick. I agree. I don't think he's top five, but um, I, I think he's a great candidate for a buy low. If you can get an owner to part with him, um, I, I think with the weapons that they've given him, with the coaching change, uh, we've not really touched on it, but Freddie Kitchens, you know, didn't look like he had control over that team it didn't look like he had the respect of the players it looked like a dysfunctional unit and um maybe i shouldn't say this with one of our co-hosts paul owning baker but i think <laughs> if, you, if you if you've got an opportunity to get him uh, you know heisman you don't become a heisman winner for the hell of it um so Tebow. Uh, <laughs> yeah there's always chris there's winky always the exceptions um, no, I, I think Baker's going to have a good season. Um, I just worry if I'm an owner of one of the skilled players around him as to who's going to get the targets. And, of course, there's rumours that OBJ could get traded. Um, he carries a lot of baggage with him. So who knows? Maybe it'll look vastly different if OBJ leaves and uh, they have you know everybody else who's still around. I think you're right in terms of Baker being a, a good buy-low candidate. Um, if you can get him, um, I was actually trying to trade uh, Aaron Rodgers for Baker plus something. But the trouble is, I don't think Paul's necessarily in a in a win now mode. Um, that was me trying to you know trade away an aging quarterback for someone with some upside and get younger at the position. Um, you know, and maybe it's a move you can make later in the season if Baker isn't. Setting the world alight, you might better trade an aging quarterback to get him. Yeah, good point. You just never know uh, what the other owner uh, likes or appreciates. So, yeah, possibly good opportunity to get Baker cheap. Uh, next tight end, then I wanted to talk about was Jimmy Graham, uh, who's gone to the Bears and he's joined uh, Nick Foles in doing so. So they've now got what. Um, Trey Burton, they've got uh, Jimmy Graham. I think Adam Shaheen is still there. So it seems like they might be playing in more two Titan sets at the Bears. Uh, Nick Foles, I think, is a QB who likes throwing to his tight end. But 
how are you feeling if you are a, a Jimmy Graham fan? He's probably in the twilight years of his career. Uh, Mo, what, what's your thoughts on Graham to the Bears? I th- yeah, I, th- I agree with you. He's in the twilight years. Um, I think, uh, I, I don't know if he's really going to help the Bears. He's, he's you know, I, th- I think his highlight moment, his highlight reels was, was when he was with the New York, you know, with the Saints. And then, you know, he, he, he shined a little bit with the Seattle Seahawks. And ever since Green Bay, I mean, you have one of the best QBs in history throwing the ball. And, you, you know, you have some, and you're so consistently up and down. And he only had one weapon, Devonta Adams. Um, I, I just don't see Jimmy Graham making that next step up. Um, so, I mean, I, I still think uh, Chicago's tight end uh, tight end room is still in disarray, in my opinion. What do you got? What are, what's all? What's Chigs or Bucks take over there on, on this one? Well, I've got a few friends who are Bears fans, and they were quite in disarray. The fact that Jimmy Graham, minus one knee, has signed on. <laughs> I think they're very much in agreement with yourself, and I think I would have to agree, actually. I don't think it's the right option for him. I'm surprised they've gone in on him, although they haven't paid big money for him with a man of his experience. He'll absolutely be you know, an asset behind the scenes, but obviously that's not what they need, is it? I think I uh, completely, completely agree with exactly what you guys have said there. Didn't need him. He's not the same player as he, as he was. Strange signing. Yeah, agreed. Okay, let's, let's not waste too much more time. Let's leave Jimmy Graham alone. <laughs> yeah, good luck to him at the Bears. Um, With his one knee. So, I know, I know, Chiggs, you're quite keen to talk about this one. Hayden Hurst to the Falcons. <laughs> How are you feeling about um, blocking tight end Hayden Hurst at the Falcons? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because um, obviously he was a first round pick for the Ravens uh, a few years ago, but he's He's quite an old, old player. You know, he sort of came through late. I think he's going to be 27 this year. Um, never really sort of flashed that ability with the uh, with the Ravens. And actually, Mark Andrews, I think, was drafted in the same year as him. Ended up being the the main guy there. He's a you know he's a good pass catching tight end. Um, I just traded for him in our league. Um, sort of. Let's had a chat with you about him. I mean, where do, where do you sort of value him? I sort of view him as a bit of a, a third rounder rookie pick. I think you said, you know, probably more like a late second. So it's in that kind of late second to mid third range. I'm just taking a view that his, um, you know, the volume that's vacated there from Austin Hooper and, you know, Devonta Freeman going as well. Hopefully Hayden Hurst can kind of pick up some of that. Um Tight premium should get opportunities in the red zone. Uh, I think that's where Matt Ryan did rely on Austin Hooper, because quite often the likes of you know Julio Jones would get um, double teamed. So that's where he did look for Austin Hooper. And if you are a Hurst owner, you'd kind of hope he picks up at least the the slack as the red zone threat. You know, if not more than that. Yeah, I think you know he's um the upside's there in that offense, but quite easily, you know, he's, he didn't do it consistently enough in Baltimore. And so there's no, there's no reason why, you know, he's going to do it in Atlanta either. So it's a bit of a gamble, but you know, one that I was willing to take, um, hopefully sort of put my team in contention. Yeah. So a couple more that I just wanted to touch on before we finish up here. Uh, Blake Jarwin, he signed a, 
new deal with the Cowboys. They've lost Jason Witten. Um, so what, what are you thinking? If you're a Jarwin owner, you think he's going to be the guy? Or do you think they're going to draft someone or maybe trade for someone? Mo? Um, I, I, I presume he's going to be the guy for now. Um, that was actually going to be one of my questions for you guys. Which team do you guys believe is going to be... It's gonna be the first team to draft a QB. I mean, I mean, I, I could see, I could see tight these end? guys. Yeah, tight end. Sorry, sorry, tight end. Um, I could see, I could see the Cowboys being one of the uh, teams to come out drafting a QB, uh, driving, drafting a run tight end first. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they, again, it's one of those things that they know what they have with Blake Jarvin. Um, he, you know, he fit their system well, um, and uh, you know they, they'd like to keep him around. I don't know. He he did shine quite a bit towards the end there last year, but what is he? This is his third season, and they still had to bring back. Um, they had to bring back uh, uh, Witten last year, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I don't think he's. I don't believe he's the answer, long term answer. And I was actually thinking Cowboys maybe one of the one one of the you know. Few handful of teams are going to draft a tight end early because I mean I believe this draft isn't very deep in tight end in a tight end position, so yeah we'll see. I mean, well, what do you guys think? I, I honestly have not seen that much of Blake Jarvin, and I don't. I, I mean, you see little little bits of little bits here and there from last the end of last season, but I, I don't you know I don't I don't really recall him. He's kind of unmemorable to me. Unmemorable to me. He yeah. had a few big games. He had a few big games. Um said he's not done anything so far to make you think um he's going to be a you know top 5 tight end or anything but then maybe if if you do think the opportunities there then maybe a, a still a small window to buy him relatively cheap before um you know he starts showing up but uh yeah I, I thought I'd mention it just because with Witten going Jarwin looks like he's the tight end one but uh well, he's just signed a new contract, hasn't he? Through a new three-year deal. Yeah, but obviously, I think... are putting him forward and paying him twenty-plus million dollars for this next three years. Yeah, I, w- I was kind of uh, surprised by the by the money they paid him. I-, I think, I think, I think the Cowboys are in prime position to um, probably draft tight end, though. Yeah, it makes sense. And then I uh, touched on him. Last one I wanted to talk about: Jason Witten. Any uh, any fantasy relevance to Witten in? Uh, well, I was going to say uh, Oakland, but now Las Vegas. <laughs> well, Jason Witten, he can just stay in that little hole in Las Vegas and uh, <laughs> throw the ball around every now and again. I, I don't want to talk about Jason Witten. I, no. I think this is more of a, like a veteran move. They want they want some veteran leadership in the tight end room. I think I think that's probably more or just veteran leadership on the team. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree with that. I think you know Jason Witten. Throw can make a joke about him. His experience and what he brings to a team, the leadership qualities that he has, you know, you can't question that. And really, the it's invaluable. And if he if he can if he can work with their knock on Big John and inspire that team, then you know they could do quite well. But he definitely has so much experience in him that it, it was worth the money they would bring him in, even if they were to bring him in to sit around and help out. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> I don't think there's much relevance in fantasy. I can't see him being drafted in many redraft leagues, for example. And heck, if you've got him in your dynasty roster, 
you know, see if he does anything. I mean, if Darren Waller goes down, then there may be some opportunity there. But until that time, he's probably there, as you say, as a, a leader figure rather than anything else. Okay, fantastic. So that was part two of free agency, uh, running backs and tight ends. Buck, appreciate you joining. And thanks again to the DC presidents as well. You could follow them on Twitter. Uh, so for myself, uh, Amir signing out, uh, please send any questions you have to fumblerecoverypod at gmail.com and we'll catch you soon for episode four. Later, boys. Take care. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. All the best.